0: want a better relationship with your dog down boy we'll talk about it on this episode of the mind dog tv podcast Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Nappo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Hope we have some dog lovers in the audience today, and it's a wonderful day wherever you are. Right now, it's afternoon where I am. It could be morning, could be evening, because we're a worldwide broadcast, podcast, live stream, you name it. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping you're having a wonderful day. You know, um, interesting uh, that... We've had a lot of um, Dr. Doolittles on lately, people who uh, have advanced communication with animals. And today, you know, people know I'm a dog lover. That's why I'm the mind dog, mind dog. Uh, And uh, I've always been a dog lover. Dogs have been my preferred pet. uh, But women in my lives have uh, generally been cat people, and so that's created a little bit of uh, an issue for me in my life, but right now I have a full house. I have a house full of dogs, cats, and uh, at one time I had pigs. I no longer have pigs, uh, but my guest today uh, is known as the Dog Mystic, and uh, we're, we're going to be having a pretty insightful i think an interesting conversation so i hope you'll hang around for that before i bring her in i want to talk briefly about my sponsors uh and the first offer is uh it's not uh something that um that usually i have when i have advertising on the program i have a ad copy to read from and kind of a, a really clear uh way to describe the offer this time it's not so not so clear uh, because it's a little bit convoluted. Here goes. Uh, if you're in sales and, and marketing or you run a business at all, you know that leads are the lifeblood of your business. Leads, hot leads, uh, qualified leads, people who want to buy your product and service. And so a lot of companies will go to a third party to acquire leads. Uh, and a lot of people know that LinkedIn can be a very powerful. Powerful resource uh, for acquiring leads. Now, my buddy Jeff Zygmunt, who was on the program a couple of months ago, has built a platform for learning new business skills called Skill Builder Academy. And the link will be in the description for that. Now, um, Skill Builder Academy, what that does is teach people uh, business skills in a very quick, fun, and uh, efficient way that helps them retain the information. Follow me so far, Skill Builder Academy helps you learn to uh, learn new business skills now what Jeff has built uh, using the LinkedIn automation uh, tools that are already into uh, in LinkedIn he's built a course that will help you use those tools that are on LinkedIn to download thousands of of hot qualified leads, people who want to buy your product and service, whether you're in B2B or B2C. So the platform is this. You will learn to do this in 30 minutes or less to use the tools already provided in LinkedIn. And you can use it anytime you want without having to go out to a third uh, party and buy leads from somebody or uh, pay somebody to do the lead acquisition work for you. You can do it for yourself in a matter of minutes. It takes 30 minutes to learn, but once you learn it, uh, it takes a minute to two minutes tops to just press a few buttons, put in your criteria, and download thousands of qualified leads, people who are looking to buy your product and service. So uh, the link will be in the description. It's called uh, Skill Builder Academy, and there's a whole long string, but you'll see at the end of it, it'll say Mind Dog, which is me, <laughs> and it will say uh, $100 off. 100 off. And that what that is, is actually $100 off the price of the uh, course. Uh, So if you use my link, you're going to get a great deal on that. People will pay sometimes up to $750 per uh, lead acquisition when they go to a third party to go get them some hot qualified leads from a variety of sources, LinkedIn being the main one. Uh, but now you can do it for yourself for a fraction of the price. Uh use the link in the description. I know that's a kind of a long-winded way. We're gonna have to find a better way to describe his offer, but that's what it is for now. If you have any questions about it, please email me and I'll I'll or just click the link and check it out. You should be able to check it out check it out and and learn about it just from clicking that link. Um, I apologize for the uh kind of convoluted way we go about describing that. Jeff's a new sponsor on the program, and um, the uh, the offer is actually built upon another offer, so it, it's a little bit uh, hard to understand. I hope I made it clear for you. Now, Let's get on to one that's a little more clear. Our other sponsor for today, Funwise Capital. Uh, Funwise Capital is easy to describe to you. It's an online, uh, it's a lender matching platform for business that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less. And there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. Start meaning if you don't have a business, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. It's the best funding you can qualify for. The Strategic Lender Matching Platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation they have hundreds of five-star reviews on google uh trust pilot and facebook and an a rating with the better business bureau they provide unsecured lines of credit at zero percent for nine to 15 months unsecured term loans loans based on income short-term gap funding or bridge loans all that kind of stuff they work with real estate startups as i mentioned franchises restaurants any kind of business any kind of project to get started with them you just go to apply that com slash mind dog apply that do appreciate you uh patronizing our sponsors and again all the links will be in the description what just happened with the lights there folks oh whoa we're having some lighting issues going on here um and i do appreciate you uh patronizing the sponsors once again the links will be all, all in the description on to the big program we're having a little bit of a uh rough time here i must admit uh today i'm a little burnt out i've been doing three shows two shows three shows a day for god knows how long now months on end and i'm looking forward to christmas coming just to get a day off (laughs) but i am loving doing the program don't get me wrong i I love uh meeting new people and learning about some new things and uh all that that goes with it uh just it's a getting to the point where i could use a day off just like everybody else really could use a day off (laughs) well but let's get on to the program today uh sherry marquez is a forthcoming author of the dog Myth. How to be deeply in tune with your dog. Uh, what she does is uh, she teaches people how to read dogs' body language and communicate with the dogs better, uh, understand your dog, and train your dog, uh, and be on a, a better, uh, have a better relationship with your dog. So, without further ado, please open your ears, open your mind, and help me welcome in Sherry Marquez to the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Sherry, welcome
1: hello thank you thank you for
0: having me uh, it's a pleasure to have you as I mentioned I'm a dog person though but my my the women in my life now I'm married for 12 13 going on 13 years now the women in my life all have been cat people so that's caused a little bit of problems but I have two dogs two cats and uh, that's it right now, we had four cats, so a couple of them just passed away recently but so a full ha- full house of pets uh, Tell me about yeah. you tell me about how uh, your uh, love for dogs came to be. Were you always a dog person going back to childhood? Pretty
1: much I mean i my love for animals started when I was born because my grandparents had um, they had two dogs and they had also had a pigeon coop. So, um, so it was great just being around around the animals at like all the time, Um, and just watching National Geographic. um, Just my love for animals has never left, and I'm just so grateful to be living my dream and working with dogs. And you know, of course, when you're like six years old. Uh, When I was six years old, I was like, oh, I want to be a veterinarian, but um, I was too, I'm too emotional to, um, to deal with like the, the sickness of, of the dogs. So I'm, I'm getting the dogs well through training and healing and just teaching some um, exercises to deepen the bond with your dogs.
0: Interesting. So, uh, dog mystic implies that that there is something, uh, some kind of. Um, I don't, I don't want to say sixth sense, but maybe that that is that that is what it is. A communication with, with the dogs is that is that what it is that what it means?
1: Well, it's. I'm learning about the um, animal communication. I'm actually taking a course to become certified in animal communication. And balancing the chakras and all that stuff, but um, it's more or less just being receptive to to their, their body language and their um, how they're feeling, and um, you know, relaxing them when, when they have a lot of anxiety. Because all dogs have a sixth sense; they know exactly what's going on. And um, like the minute that you open the door, then when you open the front door, the dog knows in one split second whether that person is a good person or a bad person. I mean, like, I I believe I I just learned that their senses are about 100,000 times stronger than humans.
0: How do we know that? (laughs)
1: Lots of research, I guess.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, the research. <laughs> I had a guest on yesterday who was um, she's an author uh, and she does children's books, but she's an uh, interpreter for the deaf and she t- uh, does American sign language. And she was talking about dogs uh, doing American sign language to dogs. Now, that lit a, a, a light bulb over my head like because I know that science has been pretty. Uh, good with, with doing some experiments with primates, chimpanzees, orangutans, and gorillas with a, a sign language. But I never thought dogs would uh, be able to kind of communicate using sign language. Uh, so obviously if that's true, and I don't know that it is, but if it is true, then they're far more intelligent than anybody ever suspected. Uh, so... Uh, do dogs have they understand language that uh, to, uh, do you, do you believe they do anyway i mean there's no way of really proven that they do is there
1: they they they've um they don't understand full sentences They learn one and like two word commands and we can teach them hundreds of different one and two word commands but they um they definitely learn the the hand signals so all your hand signals for for sit. I mean, you know, different different trainers have have different um, different hand signals. But like, if you pretend that you have a treat in your fingers, you put it near near the dog's nose and then go up. So that's sit. Because as as you put it near their nose and they look up, it kind of like rocks them back into the sit command.
2: <laughs>
1: sit and then stay. So, so you can you can teach them the your body um, do, your hand gestures.
0: Did humans come up with that, or did dogs know that instinctively?
1: <laughs> the humans. The humans came up with the um, the hand gestures.
0: So, so does it work with with dogs who have not been trained to to know what those gestures mean? No. Okay. And like uh, you know,
1: it, it's more or less the way that I I. I do it is I train the dog. I mean, like I, I use the hand signals right from the beginning. Um, but a dog that is not trained is not going to follow the, um, the hand signal, like certain hand signals. So, and then like, you know, so it's, it's teaching them as you're teaching them the actual leash correction or like leash commands.
0: Right. well mm-hmm. um it's interesting that you said that they, they know a good person from a bad person instinctively uh i I've always thought that to be true. I've been I had dogs my whole life and been around dogs my whole life. The two dogs I have now are, uh, and they're not my dogs. They're my stepdaughter's dogs and her husband's dogs. but they live with me. <laughs> but they are a puzzle in that uh, they they act atypical. They will bark at me and my wife and my stepdaughter and the, the people who own them. My my stepdaughter and her husband. They'll bark at us but they don't bark at strangers. Uh, it's, it's very odd, odd behavior. And, uh, and you said before that they always they, they know what's going on. They don't seem to really understand when people are just going outside to maybe pick up the mail or whatever, or if they're leaving them. They, they generally act the same way. So um, what, is your, what is your take on that? I mean, these two dogs just... Uniquely confused. Uh, of the whole species.
1: <laughs> um. Well, and when when you mean, well, like, what do you mean by barking? Are, are they just barking at you out of excitement? It's well, like, oh, the, you're here! Oh my gosh! And, and yes, and you walk in the door
0: yeah go walk in or walk out so if if we if they think we're, we're leaving w- uh without them, they will bark like that it, but the, it's the same way they they're wagging their tail, jump up on the couch looking out the front window, barking uh, but it will be that if you come home and somebody might come home during <laughs> this interview and we might hear it uh, or um if or if you're leaving. those are the two reasons they bark, other than that that they, they don't bark at all.
1: So that's just excitement. I mean, like, you know, it's either excitement or it could be anxiety of, like, you, like, everybody leaving. Whenever someone is, is leaving, it's like, wait, 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 no, don't leave, come on. Right. Or take me with you or oh, let's go for a ride or a walk or something. And then walking back in, then it's just the excitement of, of just seeing you again. That's the beautiful thing about dogs. I mean, like, you know, you will never get that greeting from a person even if you just go to the car or you go to the mailbox, when yeah. you come back in, there's the same amount of excitement. It's just like, oh, I'm so excited to see you. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, it's it's fabulous. Right. I
0: mean, they're,
1: they're angels put on this earth just to bring us into that present moment.
0: Well, um, it, it's interesting that they're different breeds and they're they're years apart uh, because uh Sarah who's my stepdaughter she got a golden retriever a gold yeah golden retriever um probably about 3 years ago her husband had this boxer for about 10 years now uh so they're different ages they're both females but i think the golden retriever learned that behavior from the boxer who had been, had it established longer because um it, it's not normal behavior for for dogs to so i usually i've had you know that dog—the greeting from the dogs—I understand that, but usually it's kind of like a whimper when you come in, or that kind of wagging the tail, just so excited, happy to see him. But never a full-out bark like like I most dogs would bark at strangers. The boxer has done that. So, can one dog learn it from another dog? Oh yeah, behavior
1: definitely. Because I mean, like all the main thing with with um, a dog's mind and a child's mind. Are almost exactly the same. So if they know, first off, if they know they can get away with something, they're going to push it for everything that they can. But also, um, they learn from from the older dogs because I mean they're they're pack animals. So they're learning from from the from the other, like you know, the the younger yeah. one is definitely learning from from the the older dog, and it, you know. If the the older dog wasn't there, then he the the younger one might not have the same barking reaction as um, as yeah, right
0: now. It's unusual. Again, I've had dogs. I'm 61 years old. I've had dogs my whole life. I've never seen that that uh, behavior before. But the box has a lot of um, a lot of unique behavior uh, things that are. I think she's got a nervous problem. She's very very nervous. Sometimes she's uh, timid and frightened, which to me, I look at it, and my my initial reaction or, or, or instinct was, this dog's been abused at some point because of the way she, she behaves, uh, sometimes scared. But knowing her owner, as I do, I know he's never abused her, and, and so I don't know where that comes from. Uh, are there tell, tell signs that a dog is... Uh, been abused, or is that just me putting you know kind of uh, how we would guess well,
1: the um the boxer is was she a rescue?
0: No, I don't think so. I think he's had her from a pup.
1: okay. Um, well, I mean like you know it, it's um, every dog has their own personality. There's certain characteristics of the breed that are the same. But every dog is different. Every dog has their own personality. So you know, there there's one boxer, one boxer that is afraid of nothing. There's nothing to be afraid of, and and they'll walk up to anybody and they'll let them them um, let the person pet them. And then there's there's other like you know like like your your um, your stepson's dog um, where she's just timid. And another thing is when you like when a person gets a puppy the most important thing is just to bring that dog out and socialize them with everything and desensitize them from noises and people and kids and big trucks and motorcycles and everything so so then at a young age then they're exposed to everything
0: right um, what yeah. about breed behavior uh, and breed because different breeds behave different ways and with the with the golden I I see often something that I see in a lot of re- uh, goldens in that they want to just grab something in their mouth when they, well, especially when they're greeting you and they, they want attention or something. I'll go to the room and get a stuffed animal, come back and with, with it in my mouth and like,
1: and,
0: but it seems to be every single golden has that, it has that in some way. Like, you know, I've seen one, one, somebody had a video on social media where the dog kept getting, grabbing pizza boxes and running around the house, but they don't want to let you take it. They want to kind of tease you with it and say, here I have it. And come, come up to get it, and then pull away really fast so you can't get it. Like they're they're saying, please play with me. But uh, but it's a breed behavior. Are there specific? Is that bred into them? Why are they – You know, it, that's puzzling to me. That why every every one of that breed will act that way. And there are other breeds that have similar idiosyncrasies. I think
1: right. The the well, I mean, it's it's a retriever thing. So there are.
0: But you would think a retriever would bring it back to the man, and not bring it almost there, and then say, psych, you can't have it."
1: It's like I'm retrieving it, but I'm retrieving it just to play. So there, there are certain characteristics of all the breeds that are the same, and um, you know the they, you can depict the characteristics. Um, of that breed. So retrievers, I mean, like labs and uh, goldens do that a lot. And that's great though, because I mean, like, at least they have something in in their mouths instead of, you know, the play biting or nipping of like, come on, you know, pay attention to me, you know? So, um, so that's a good thing. I mean, like the, um, for example, the the border border collies, um, you know, they're just, so, so focused and focused and, you know, try to, if you're outside and you're like running in the yard, they're trying to like herd you the way that they, like the, the specific spot that they want to, you to go. Um, another, I mean, like there's so many different characteristics of, of breeds. I mean, like I had um, a Cane Corso Mastiff. And um, they were actually bred to protect, um, like protect royalty. So it's just kind of like ingrained into into their beings that they they position their bodies like across the hall, but like facing the um, facing the door, just to make sure that like they're they're on guard. They're listening. They're like paying attention to to what's going on, because uh. anytime I would I would be sleeping, then she would be in the room, but like in the hallway, and facing like she would fall asleep, but she would be facing the door,
0: like the guards at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. So cool.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 in, in, from your perspective, is there one like most intelligent breed?
1: Um, I don't like to discriminate because like, <laughs> they're, they're all they're all smart, intelligent, and um, but the border collies are for sure um, number one.
2: Right, like, number
1: one, eight, like just easiest to train. They're so on point and like, all right, come on, what do you want me to do? Perfect, let's do this. Right.
0: So. Extremely uh, easy to train. You talked about body language a, a little bit there, and uh, I, I think we're familiar with with some of them. I mean, mostly facial expressions, like putting the ears down and stuff. Uh, what What do you mean by body language, though, w- with dogs? Is there is, are there you know things that you could point out and, and describe that uh, people could relate to say, "Oh, I know when my dog does that. I know that's what that means."
1: Well, the. Um everybody thinks that that when the dog is wagging their tail, that they're happy, but it it doesn't, it it doesn't always mean that like they're happy and friendly. Um, If their, their tail is wagging, but you can see that their body is tense and their ears are kind of, instead of just standing up straight, their ears are kind of back. Then you know that, 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 dog is either unsure of of you and like you know unsure of, of um...
0: that's the boxer that's how the boxer does that a lot I mean the, she's always wagging the tail but the ears pointing backwards stuff and uh, very um, curled up body mm-hmm. language a lot of times when when she'll go to greet somebody she instead of coming straight at them she kind of makes a you out of her body. <laughs> like and she the, the head will be here and the ass will be here and be like that. Um, so yeah that that's very and but I always, and she's a peer. Sometimes she'll get so excited that she'll just pee wherever she okay. is. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: so I mean like you know with with the um, with that it's it's she's she's coming to say hello but then She's just kind of like insecure of like, okay, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm weary just to, because especially if she doesn't know the person, then she's excited to see the, like, you know, meet them, but she's still kind of like standoffish. Right. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know. I don't know yet. yet so <laughs> I got to, I got to warm up to you. Right. you know, whereas, whereas the, the, the other one is a golden. Yeah. A golden retriever. Yeah. The, the golden is probably like,
3: yeah!
0: My gosh, I'm so excited. She, she, she likes to hug. She like she's a, she's a hugger dog, and uh, often I can't lay on the couch because if I lay on my couch in my living room, she will jump run, come running in full speed and jump on me, <laughs> like and literally like her full body weight and just land on me and want to hug. <laughs> Which is it? It's I've never seen that in a dog before. Where the oh, like laying down on the couch is like a signal to say, "Come jump on me." <laughs> You're
1: relaxing. <laughs> Come on, it's my time to just like give you hugs, give you love.
0: Yeah, and, and you can't stop. If you stop, she'll like pick up your arm and like say, "No stop. It. Wash right. you, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: with with her nose.
0: <laughs> can Can you get a puppy too young?
1: Um, I. I believe 100% that you never want to get a puppy less than eight weeks old. Um, just because it's, um, it's too young. There's no reason why you need to, like, why, why the either breeders or why the people need to take the dog, take the puppies away from their, their moms that young. And, um, and it's, it's, they lose out on the, um, the socializing and like, you know, learning from, from their siblings and learning from, from their moms,
2: right. you know,
1: because if there's one mom going nuts, what the mom will do is she'll grab them by the scruff of the neck with her teeth. She'll pull them back, give them a growl until they totally submit and then she'll put them down. So if they're, if they're taken away at like six weeks, then, like I said every dog is different so i mean like right. you know there could be some puppies that are so rambunctious that they have gotten plenty of corrections by that time but i mean like you know it's it's also totally unfair to for the breeders to sell the dogs at a younger age and then they live in in one state and then they transport them to another state And the whole transportation of sticking... First off, taking the puppy away, way too young. um, Putting them in a crate. And then flying them on on a cargo. Like flying them on an airplane, in cargo. God knows how long they're stuck in that crate. By the time that they get to the other state, First off, they're petrified because of the noise. They're sitting in their, you know, in their pee and poop. And that makes them totally crate, gives them crate anxiety. Right. So, unfortunately, within these two years, I've seen a lot. I've had to, had to train and figure out different ways to get the dogs used to being in the crate because of, of that that traumatizing experience and you can't blame them really but i mean like you know it's just not fair right it's not fair to put put a baby i mean like they're, they're babies there's no reason why you need to put them through that just to yeah you
0: know, it always seems to me a little inhumane i'm not i'm not i really don't like to see dogs be put on airplanes uh especially if they have to be in a crate i could yeah, I'm a little more sympathetic if it's a little dog and the owner can hold on to it or whatever, uh but uh mm-hmm. especially in the cargo section. I think that it's really um it's an inhumane way to treat dogs. What what's your take on that? Cuz I would I would prefer you don't let don't travel with the dog at all, but if you must be you- drive across country with it or you know if you had to do a long trip like that drive with it go with it slow and and give it a, uh some sort of companionship and let you know you're there and not have to kind of put it in a crate and, and treat it like that what is your uh take on that? Is, is that a no I-, I totally
1: agree i totally 100 percent agree there's um it's traumatizing yeah i mean first off it's
0: but you know I know a lot wow. of people who really love dogs who do it and don't don't have a problem with it. And That's why why I, I there's a little confusion with me like uh, how could people not see it the way you and I see it? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> well,
1: I mean it, I guess it's um it's just everybody's if they're if they're looking online and they see this dog and oh my gosh this is the dog that I want and then the breeder thinks it's okay to put the dog on on the airplane then of course the person doesn't know
2: right. but I mean
1: like you know there's there's so many different um, I have a blog on my website um, and it's it's on the blog page and it specifically says like you know please don't get your get get a pup board don't buy a puppy um less than 8 8 weeks old but there's I have a link to different um pet courier companies that actually drive the
0: Oh cool. drive
1: the dogs like cross country and stuff.
0: Well that's a so, bet. one one better option it's it's slightly better cuz they're not with their owners but at least they they're not being traumatized by putting into uh, a cargo area because cargo areas it it that's you know they're cold, they're dark, they're scary, and everything else. And I know sometimes they tranquilize the dogs and all that stuff. And uh, to me, that's just b I don't you know, drugging them up and all that stuff. And yeah, um,
1: it's that is the people, the people that are working in the, um, you know, in the airport or in, in the cargo area. I mean, they're not gentle. Right. I mean, if if you're if you're on on an on an airplane and you're looking out the window and watching these people throwing all you know throwing the bags (laughs) on on there, then I mean, who knows exactly what's going to happen?
0: Right. You're treating them like baggage. You're treating your dog your dogs like baggage, and they're part of the family. I get that, That, and it's it's tragic. Um, I I read recently in an article that dogs do not recognize human faces. And I thought I didn't I didn't agree with it, but uh, I'm just curious on your take on that. Do do do, do they recognize your face and facial expressions? Yes. You you think they?
1: They I I think they pick up on. They recognize your face, facial expressions. They know how you're feeling, so they're dogs are emotional. Just animals in general are more emotional than people need to like. Just people just need to realize how how much emotions the dogs have. So in in regards to their sixth sense, they know they know how we're feeling. So if if and that's why that's why there's so many emotional support dogs out there because they're they're there to cheer us up and mean like. You know when um, when we're not feeling well or you know, if if um, if we're feeling down, then the dogs just sense that and come up close and lean their bodies or, you know, with with their nose kind of nudge, nudge the nose to get them to pet, um, get them get the, the person to, to pet them. Um, they know they hmm. totally, totally know for sure.
0: So So you're writing a book. When is the book coming out? or expect it to come out?
1: I am, I would love for everything to be published before 2020 ends. That's, <laughs> that's my goal.
0: Okay. So well, what, working
1: what, hard. Working what, hard. <laughs> what, kind
0: of, what kind of things are you covering in the book? Is it a uh, is it an anecdotal story type book of, of things that you've experienced, or is it a uh, how-to guide or, or that kind of? book uh what what approach are you taking
1: it's a mixture it's a mixture of both but i mean like you know it's more or less like a question and answer type um type book to explain um explain certain problems and then certain and then the the problem solving techniques let's say for um, jumping or play biting chewing aggression um, you know separation anxiety any anything like that so it's it's dealing with with the problem solving techniques um, explaining the the bond that you can have with with your dog and giving um, exercises to enhance your your bond it's like a spiritual bond that you have with with your dog um and um you know just explaining how how amazing dogs can be and like you know the 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 hard work that that service dogs provide um and what they can do and um and then you just you know it's, it's just it's informing people with the questions and the answers with my experiences of, of all the things that have have happened um, but then also teaching the um, the mystical part of it to um, to really create that bond with your dogs just so I, my mission is just so um dogs stay in their forever homes.
0: Huh. well yeah. uh, th- there's a lot of questions they have now. Um I guess I should start cause I don't want I don't want to go to to the sad part yet because there is a, a sad part to dog ownership at the end of their lives and I want to talk about uh how people deal with that. But uh let's start at the beginning. Uh, people who are unsure about what kind of dog is right for them—is that covered in the book, or do you give advice on, you know, how to pick the right dog for you, for your personality, for your lifestyle, uh, for your home?
1: Well, I mean, yes, it will. Um, it will be covered, and I have. Um, I have stressed the importance of it's great to rescue and I'm all for it. And I prefer rest, like all my my dogs are are rescues and have been rescues. So um, even if you're gonna rescue, still do the research on different breeds and like what breeds are good for you and your family. Because, you know, whether you want a hypoallergenic dog that doesn't shed or you don't mind the dog shedding, um, and you know, for example, if if um, if a really hyper not hyper but like high energy family or person um, gets, let's say, an English bulldog, um, they may have some problems because the The English Bulldogs, they get overheated very easily. Um, There are plenty of English Bulldogs that have um, allergies, whether it's to food or to, like, environmental. Um, So, like, you know, they, they, they wouldn't be able to hike for 20 miles with an English Bulldog. You know? Um... So I mean, it's just important to do the research on the breeds, and even if they're they're mixed together, you can still see the um, see the personality. You know,
0: Inter- it's interesting stuff. I yeah, I, I when you talked about the rescues, I, I can't help but thinking uh, how tragic it is that so many dogs end up in shelters. Uh, and so we don't have necessarily a dog problem; we have a human problem. People who are uh, taking dogs irresponsibly and then just as irresponsibly and heartlessly giving up on them when there's a problem, and and so we have shelters all over the United States that are filled with dogs, and uh, of course financial uh, things considerations come in. We can't keep these dogs forever, and then they euthanize them, and it's it's, it's just a tragic, uh, a very tragic thing. Do you have any insights on? Uh, how to deal with that problem.
1: Well, don't give up on your dog. I mean, if you are, um, whether you're rescuing or you're, you're buying, then if you do the research on, on the dog breed, that is, there's so many different breeds, you know what I'm saying? so if you're doing the research on, on, on different breeds that are good, a good fit for, for you or, or for your family, then, don't give up,
2: right. get
1: the dog trained. I mean, like that is the reason, that's the reason why I want to get the book out. That's what the reason why I want to, like, you know, I am I, going virtual and I, I have my, um I have two online courses done because I want to teach people worldwide. And, and I, I've been training dogs for 20 years and I've seen way too many um too many owners that give up way too fast right you know and and there's no reason for it right no reason why like just because you're having certain certain issues they can be solved you know
0: Right. My, uh, and, uh, it might be a little controversial to say this, but I think often the problem is not the dog's problem. It's, it's the owner's problem. Uh, and, and, I understand that you can get a dog from a rescue that has, uh, behavioral problems that it got for, because of its relationship with its previous owner and can carry those over to the new owner. But if it's still doing the, uh, the same stuff, it's, it's upon the, uh, the owner or, you know, the pet owner to kind of change their behavior and figure out what I need to do to make this animal. If you're going to take an animal in, you're, you're responsible for its well-being. You have Sometimes you have to change your own behavior to make the dog more comfortable. I, I know people don't like to hear that. What's your take on that?
1: No, it's, it's so, so, so true. Um, it's easy to train the dog it's harder to train the people we're, we're, we're stuck in our own habits, you know what I'm saying? And, and dogs are habitual as well, but I mean, like they're, they're easier going (laughs) and you know, they're, they're, they're definitely easier to train than, than the people. Um, but I mean, like, you know, for example, the anxiety and like the separation anxiety is, Is on a rise already but it's gonna be extreme if because of quarantine and if people don't start separating their dogs just like a nap time like if if you put your dog in another room or in a confinement if you're against crates that's not a problem um, I'm not against crates, but, I mean, there are some people that are like, I would never put my dog in a crate. Okay, that's perfectly fine, and I give people the choices. But, I mean, like, you know, there's play pens. There's um, putting them in a, in a bathroom, separating them in, in a in a bedroom. It all depends on, on the person's um, household. If they're in a studio, then, of course, they can't do that. But, I mean, like, you know, even if they put them in a um, – in a playpen or in a crate, and put them put it like behind a couch, or if they're able to, you know, if you're you're able to leave just for like two hours um, every day, as long as the dog is not following your every move, then it lessens separation anxiety. Separation anxiety is the hardest thing to solve because. Um, the dogs know, know, they know your habits. They know the second that you start getting ready and doing your n- normal routine before you leave the house, their anxiety is building, 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 so right. by the time that you leave, they're totally freaking out. Right. So it's changing, changing a person's habits of getting the dog ready first, putting them in, in their confinement, their room, their crate, whatever, you know, wherever you're going to leave them. And then you start getting ready. And then when you walk out the door, walk out, don't even, (laughs) don't make a big to to do because the more you're like, Oh, I'll see you later. Bye. Good boy. Like you're just totally freaking the dog out Mm. because they, they, they don't, they don't want you to leave. I mean, like, you know, you just said with, with, your dogs the second that you walk outside then they're they're barking and and go nuts so um, it's it's you know it's it's just extremely extremely important i mean I'm i'm seeing a rise in it already and huh? you know unfortunately it's only been eight months so who no. knows when the quarantine is going to be done but
0: Right. I think that's part of a, quant- a consequence of, of the the whole lockdown, shutdown, whatever you want to call quarantine, however you want to call it, uh, mm-hmm. that people don't think about is is how uh, we're training the animals that we live with to think we're going to be there all the time and eventually yes. we're not. Uh, yeah, it's something I, I'm sure I haven't thought about and I'm sure there's a lot of other people that haven't thought about it. I want to touch on something that's gonna be a little bit on the sad side and I know you said you were too emotional to be a vet uh, and because I want to do this now because we are running short on time now and I don't want to end on it because I want to come back to a happy note and get all, <laughs> all it but when when it comes to time to say goodbye to pets we you know it's, it's it's just so weird that as a as human beings we look down on the Experience of euthanasia, put mercy—you know, letting people die on their own terms. When it comes to dogs, cats, whatever, uh, we're fine with putting them to sleep. Is that's what people—that's how people phrase it. Basically, giving them an injection that that will end their life. Uh, it's a very sad time, uh, and I, you know, owners struggle with it. It's a—is it, there anything that? And sometimes we question whether we did it at the right time. Was it too soon? Was it too you know was it too late? Did I wait too long? All that kind of stuff. Uh, do you have any advice or insights on the whole euthanasia of pets? Well,
1: um, no matter what, it's a hard decision. But, um, and my take on euthanasia is if if it was legal for people, then, you know, I mean, if, right. if, if, that, the person, if the person wants to go that way and doesn't want to suffer and have to deal with, you know, with their, their loved ones seeing them totally deteriorate and getting it going to hospice and everything like that, then that should be a person's choice. And I mean, like, you know, that the, the fact that we're able to, to have that choice for the animals is, I think it's 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 a good thing. I mean, you know, it's it's um, it's hard. It's always a hard decision. But I mean, like you know, if it's a financial decision to do a, a, an operation, like for example, my 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 pit bull was only eight eight years old when i um when i had to put him down and you know put him to sleep um but he had a he had a bulging disc and in, in his in his back he was a black and brown brindle so i didn't know that he had a he had a bulging disc obviously he was running and jumping and everything was fine um, and one day my my son was he was great with my son and and he was laying on the couch and and my son kind of like laid in between our two dogs and i guess laid on on his back and within 24 hours he went totally paralyzed in in his back legs so um so the 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 bulging disc ruptured and it totally paralyzed him he was 75 pounds and i mean like you know here's a dog that was healthy his whole entire life and then at eight and a half years goes in twenty-four hours, can't walk, and is just literally like sitting, you know, I mean not in pain, but I mean in pain because it's it's it is his his back. So um so during this whole process it was extremely emotional and at first i was like i don't care how much debt i will go into i'm gonna do this surgery and i can't lose my baby that was my first baby before my son was born so um but then once i got because it happened it it happened at at night and then i finally brought the dog to to the emergency vet at like I don't know three o'clock in the morning (laughs) so uh, you know all this emotion and i had my son with me as well so i've been like you know it it was it, it was so emotional and at that moment i'm like no i'm gonna i don't care i'll do whatever i'll go into debt i'll i'm saving my baby no matter what but then once i did the research and realized that even if I did the, the the surgery, there was only like a thirty or forty percent chance that he would he would walk again or be able to walk.
2: Wow!
1: You know, and and it was you know my my choice with speaking to animal communicators and you know doing my own own healing work on him. Um, it w- it was just the right thing to do because even if i did spend the money on the on surgery and he was still paralyzed then he would lose his dignity on on having me or somebody else having to you know because i mean like when when a dog is paralyzed you have to help that dog move their bowels or pee you know, and yep. I mean, like that. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's. You gotta think of like the dignity of the dog, and when right. the dog is totally suffering, then you know, let them go peacefully. Let them go peacefully, and 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 really think about all the amazing experiences that you've had with with your animal. You know, that's that's the beautiful thing about. Yeah, of, uh, we make the decision, and we're allowed to just hold all that love that we have for, well, for every experience.
0: That it's just so, interesting. so interesting. You bring that up—that uh, you know, decision. If someone, if that's a person's decision, then we should let them do it. But uh, and the difference, I suppose, is that humans can decide for themselves and say, "I want." Uh, but if a dog or or cat is saying that, uh, you have to be really intuitive to understand that, that that's what the dog really wants or a cat really wants. That's a difficult thing because we're making generally making that decision on for ourselves. It It can be gut wrenching. And the other part of it is, is the guilt of, did I do it too late? Like, did I let him suffer too long? I know my wife went through that with one of our cats recently, uh, I was the one saying, "No, she's going to get better. She's going to get better. I, you know, she's not that sick yet." And turns out she had like cancer and uh, was was suffering pretty badly. And my wife was really guilty about that. We waited too long to put it down. She suffered too long. And I, I didn't think so. I, I mean, I uh, I tried to make the the cat as happy as and comfortable and, and as possibly could be during that time. But it's always heart wrenching to uh, when that happens, no matter what. Okay. Uh oh yeah. So, do you, do you talk about uh, or do you plan on this in the book? I don't know if it, you already have written parts of it or, or about this, but uh, do you counsel people on how to grieve pets? <laughs> um,
1: no, but I mean, I I I, I just have this um, I have this good feeling that like once I. Once I get get my first book out, then I can go on from there.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's the way. It, that's the way it works. Talking. I talk to a lot of authors, and uh, the first book can take 20, 30 years to write, and then they start coming pouring like water. Um, get that
1: flow going, and it's like, all right, yeah, I can do this. Right. <laughs>
0: what about the idea of replacing the pet that just passed? I think I generally my my. My opinion is it's generally a bad idea to just go right go right out and get another pet right after you've uh put one to sleep or whatever um, some people do it some people think it's a way of coping what what do you have any opinions on that
1: every dog, like every person is different in regards to how they they how they deal with the situation but um my suggestion is allow a little bit of time to process. And allow the grieving allow allow that grieving process because I mean like if you're not done grieving and just allowing whatever emotion that that you're having to just let it flow and let it out then if you rush the situation and whether you get a puppy or you rescue um you know there's frustrations with with dealing with a puppy again
2: right. and,
1: the, and, and you know going from an older dog that has just passed or like you know a, a traumatic situation and then all of a sudden rushing out to get a puppy and just totally forgetting all The work that comes in that is involved with having a puppy and um, housebreaking that puppy and dealing with, you know, the like the challenging play biting and chewing and all that stuff, um, then you're grieving, you're emotional, and then you're overreacting to. The new dog which is not fair to the new dog as well right. so you know my my suggestion is just give it time okay I mean, like you know and, and every person's time frame is different but let's say even like three months
2: cool i mean
1: like you know if, if you're going into a deep depression then okay fine but like <laughs> mentally prepare yourself that it's going to be work right get a new dog and you just don't compare don't that's the most important um i guess it's not a problem but i mean like you know it's it's um
0: it's something to consider
1: yeah it's something Uh, to consider because i mean like they're they're comparing they're comparing this perfect dog okay well when that puppy when that your perfect dog was a puppy it wasn't perfect so don't compare
0: All right, now the other end of this to end on a happy note here, um, uh, or somewhat happy note. Uh, so we uh, looking at things from you know a young family uh, wh- who is expecting a newborn, uh, and they've ha- they already have a dog, let's say, and um, uh, that that dog has been their baby. And so, is there anything that people need to do to kind of, or or can do to make the transition from for the dog to be expecting this new addition to the family that it's now going to have to be competing with and might get jealous of and all that stuff, dealing with a new newborn and and training your dog in advance to of what to expect. Is there anything that can be done for to make that easier on the dog? <laughs>
1: yes, thank you for bringing that up. Um, it's extremely important to keep the dog. In the family, within the family, there's going to be lots of changes. So don't change the the dog's routine. Dogs are creatures of habit. So just allow them to be there and observe. And um, before the baby is born, start playing some um, some. YouTube videos on like babies crying. Um, when the the when as soon as the baby is born and the first if if you're able to the first blanket that um that the baby is is cleaned with, then bring that blanket home to the dog for for the dog to smell, um, and then do the actual introduction outside, outside like. It's it's better to do it on leash, and outside, so it's it's out of the dog's
0: territory. Home. Oh yeah, no, I get it. Territory. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah.
1: So it's more or less just like have the leash, have them smell, smell the baby. So then you know it's it's they have that smell already because if you're able to to give them the, the baby blanket, then that's perfect.
0: <laughs> okay. So so do you, do you think they understand what mama's belly means? <laughs> yes. Yes?
1: yes, only because they um when a woman is pregnant their their progesterone and and their their smells are different you know right. their smells are different their um their um, their levels so the dogs can actually like sense that. Right. they can they can sense that there's a change and and they know.
0: Does it matter uh if the dog is male or female or are females more sensitive to that kind of stuff?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so.
0: Okay. I mean they
1: they might like you know, a, a female dog that's had puppies maybe they're a lot more receptive than, you know, a young male. Um but I think they they're all.
0: Huh. <laughs> they're
1: all pretty receptive
0: yeah well i thank you for this time uh we are over time now and uh it's time to end the conversation but i do appreciate you i i ask a lot of questions because i'm generally interested in, in this stuff uh, and i thank i you. hope i hope you kind of uh help some people do me a favor when the book comes out you can either come back just for a quick like a short visit within a program and just say you know the book is out so we can help help you promote it or maybe we can just like uh reschedule for a you know schedule another uh just a a book <laughs> book episode just to promote your book. I would uh, love
1: to. Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. Great. Well and thank then, oh well, what?
1: also um um if I can email you um I'm doing like a cyber week sale for the um one of my courses and um it's it's on my the on the courses page um, the landing page that comes up is a free course, and then you go to all, all courses, and it's the um, the happy dogs equal happy owners.
0: And <laughs> can you do these courses online like this? The can you do it like that yeah. virtual? Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> I have A phone call away. So if you if you have any questions as you're like going through it, then email, phone calls. But like you know, you can you it's it's all virtual with videos and written instructions and everything so
0: cool cool stuff thank you sherry thank you for your time and i wish you much success and come on back when when the book's out
1: thank you so much have a happy holidays everyone be safe and enjoy the rest of the year
0: yeah bye bye for now this episode is brought to you by put me in the story put me in the story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% stall-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by Vapor DNA. Founded in 2013, Vapor DNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45 day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code OrionQ. Sherry Marquez, folks. I hope you enjoyed that uh, and, and got something out of it. And uh, look forward to the book coming out. Uh, again, I hope you enjoyed this program. I hope you come back and tell your friends about it. Subscribe. Go to my YouTube channel and subscribe there. Go to minddogtv.com and get on my mailing list uh, so you know when we're going to have guests on that uh, you'll be interested in topics like this. Uh, and questions and comments for me, info at minddogtv.com, info at minddogtv.com. Her website, again, is thedogmystic.com. It's pretty simple simple the link will be in the description as always uh and tonight i have uh, deborah a- i want to make sure i get her name right it's deborah uh hernandez i'll get out of my way Antic, <laughs> Antic. she is a uh clairvoyant and professional psychic uh who also happens to be an opioid addict. uh Um, counselor. So we're going to, that should be a really, really kind of interesting, uh, discussion. A psychic clairvoyant who also deals with, uh, opioid, uh, (laughs) addicts and, uh, offenders, uh, opioid drug offender educator she is. So that should be an interesting discussion at 8 p.m. tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for joining me and have a great one today for now
3: Well I've been thinking about the road to glory I guess I need something to call my own So I sing my songs and I tell my stories While my woman sleeps alone A blues man talking About the life he's living He works all day never sleeps at night But he needs something To believe in He said, now Doc, you know it just ain't right So put some music on and let's drink some The main Shadows and that old moon she's shining up in the sky and like a cowboy sleeping in the saddle that old blues man he's still riding high so put some music on and let's drink some here cause the rain Summertime and Saturday